0: Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, out there in Blog Talk Radio land, as we head down to the end of September. It's been a, cra- it's been a, 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 like a roller coaster, <laughs> crazy month throughout the country and, and in the world. we just, we live in times when things change. <laughs> things are so you feel like you're constantly on a roller coaster and you can't get off. But uh, so I, I'll do. I send everybody love and good vibes and best wishes on this September the twenty fourth. It's hard to believe it you guys. This month this month and I feel like all the months of this year have blown by. You know, you start off your January just as a reminder for you before I every every show I drop a a word into to your spirit or your mind, something to think about. Before I share that with you, just encourage you to think back to January the first or December thirty first, twenty fifteen. Very first of the year, when you were revved up, ready to hit your goals, motivated, inspired, feeling that sense of newness simply because it was January the 1st, and collectively, as millions of humans felt the same way that you did this newness, this inspiration, this motivation, this encouragement. And I encourage you to get that back if you've lost it, and also. To review where you have come so far, what did you say you were going to do at the start of the year? Where have you fallen short? How can you get back on pace as we have another three months to go so you don't come to the end of the year and say, I didn't get any of it done and these are the reasons or I only got half of it done. So finish strong, finish this year strong, despite what's going on around you. And we have a a very – talented author on deck for you here at Off the Shelf. We've been blessed and fortunate, the guests we've had over the years, New York Times best-selling authors. And as I tell you guys, we've had authors on our show who appear on major, major stations like CNN and TV One that have been here on Off the Shelf. So we're honored to add today's guest to that list uh, and, and hope she goes on to greater and greater things. We can't let – we cannot – Let ourselves be stopped. Uh, So the quote for today I want to drop into your spirit is, in order to succeed, we must first believe that we can. In order to succeed, we must first believe that we can. And this is from Nicholas Kazantzakis, and I hope I said his last name correct. Again, in order to succeed, we must first believe that we can. So with that inspiration you had at the start of the year, If you really didn't believe you could do it, you probably came up with an excuse, an external situation or internal that you allowed to stop you. So I'm encouraging you to take that break off because you can get it done and go out there and finish the year strong. So uh, before we introduce today's guest, I, I want to ask you again, how good of a mystery sleuth are you and how much do you value relationships? When we say relationships, the first thing that might pop into your mind Is an intimate relationship between two adults. But I'm I'm referring to the relationships in love pour over me. It's a complicated relationship between a father and a son. So many people start off hating the father in this book. But as you progress through the story, it's just almost like watching someone's life your views of that person can change as you start to understand them better and even see how you might be a little bit like them in some ways. And that's what happens in Love for Over Me. There's also a romantic relationship between two soulmates, Raymond and Brenda. And Raymond is an athletic standout, and he's also very, very bright. He wins a partial academic scholarship to a university in Pennsylvania and a partial athletic uh, scholarship. He's a track and field standout. And then his life changes when he meets his love. Brenda, it doesn't start off smoothly, and they do hit their bumps in the road. If you value relationships, and I mean a a, a story where it goes deep into the relationship, not just the surface, and if you also like a mystery, because there's a murder mystery also in the book, I encourage you to get a copy of my latest novel, Love Pull Over Me. It's an e-book format and in print. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it at Walmart. You can get it at e-book it. You can get it at the library. You can get it at our website, which is chistel, dot com. If you don't see it on the store shelves, just tell the clerk you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. They can order it for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So I encourage you to get a copy and let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now, I want to introduce you to our special off-the-shelf guest for this Saturday, September the 24th, and our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Jay Henderson. Jay is a Christian romance novelist. She earned a Bachelor of Arts in Communications and a Master of Arts in English from the University of Memphis. She is a former host of the radio show, On Point, and a contributing writer for the nationally syndicated Tom Joyner Morning Show. And if that's not enough, Jay is also a public relations specialist and a college professor. She is the author of Husband Wanted, which is her latest release, her new book, the Sunday series, and things every good woman should know. You can find Jay online, and I encourage you to check Jay Henderson out. You can check her out even now as you listen to the show. And her website is HTTPS, there's the S at the end of it, HTTPS the two forward slashes jhendersonauthor.com, dot com and that's spelled j a e h e n d e r s o n a u t h o r dot com dot com and then she's also online at i 'm a good dot com dot com again jhendersonauthor.com, dot com and i'm i i am i'm I am a
1: good welcome
0: to off the shelf jay
1: thank you I appreciate you having me yeah we're honored to have you
0: here on off the shelf I know we rescheduled so it's really good I was excited I said okay because originally was going to be in July so we moved to September so we're very excited about what you will share with our listeners here those who are tuned in live the via, via off the shelf and we get most of our listeners to the archives those who listen in via the off cards. So before we launch into the show's questions, Jay, this is something I ask every guest. Can you tell our off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up, just to give them a little backstory on you before we jump right into the questions, if you can tell our off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up?
1: Um, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I was raised by a single mother. Um, life? Oh, I, that's kind of an interesting question. I don't think anybody has ever asked me what life was like for me. Um, I was raised in a uh, kind of strict Christian household, but I had a good life. But I also had a mother that didn't play, believed in you going to church, a, a praying mother, a praying grandmother and grandfather. So I would say I probably had a pretty good childhood. I mean, I didn't have a we didn't have a lot of money. Um I was raised as an only child. I'm a mother's only child so um education was also really important in our house um it was it was just a given that you went to school and you got good grades. I mean, school was your job, so you needed to excel at it so uh, if I had to describe what life was like for me, I guess that was the, would be the best way that i could okay, okay,
0: so you had a sounds like are you you, you said you're an only child or you have siblings?
1: I have my father has other children, so I have half siblings. But we really didn't connect until um, adulthood. So I tell people I was raised as an only child. So I have a lot of only child mentalities. So I'm in
0: Atlanta now, and I'm I was from Philadelphia. We've had guests who've come in from all over the, uh, different parts of the world, and some under uh, harsh conditions where they had to leave a country. Um, but I. Curious. Memphis, Tennessee. I've never been to Memphis. G- grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm in Atlanta now. How could you compare Memphis to like a Philadelphia and Atlanta or a New York? Very, very different. Um
1: Well, we're um we're in the South, so we're kind of laid back. Um definitely not as fast-paced as New York um or maybe even Atlanta. Um, but I like my city. Um there I tell people there, um I mean we have some genuinely good hearted people here. Tennessee is the volunteer state. Um and I tell people there are two things here that I love because um, Memphis is the twentieth biggest city in the United States. So we're not a small city. Um but there are two things I love here. One is low cost of living. You can um live pretty comfortably um on I guess maybe you could say between well I guess it would depend on how big your family is. But if you make around forty or fifty thousand here, you could probably live pretty decent. And we have little we don't have really have traffic compared to cities like New York or Atlanta oh, our traffic is with the number of people that we have here. So that's one of those are two of the things that I, I really love about my city and of course good food, great food um, if you like barbecue, this is definitely a place you want to come visit. So um, I know a lot of times we get a, 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 a lot of bad publicity in the media, but that's not the city that I see. Um, I love my city, and I live a pretty good life here. I was okay. born and raised here, so I guess I'm biased. <laughs> but, um, <All> right. <laughs> so I would encourage people, if you've never been here before, come visit. Especially yeah, if you're looking for some place just to relax and slower pace. Okay. Um always right. not always in a hurry. But many but okay. we're also growing and we have a lot of great things going on here as well.
0: The traffic
1: was made me really it
0: piqued up my interest, because almost every city I've lived in has had uh,
1: bad traffic. Uh so that was like
0: okay, okay. Now you, you know I did an
1: internship. I was saying, I did an internship in Dallas with the Tom the Morning Show in college. And that was the first time that I had ever encountered real traffic. I had never seen a highway with six lanes on both sides, bumper to bumper. And believe you me, I learned how to avoid rush hour. I learned how to avoid the interstate real quick. <laughs> I was taking <laughs> side streets almost everywhere I could.
0: Wow! Now you majored in communications and English, and you also work as a public relations specialist. So you got the goods when it comes to the marketing side of like getting the word out about your books. Now your your love of writing it comes through your majors. The fact that you now write novels. Who ignited your passion for writing?
1: I would have to say it was probably my teachers. Um, My mom passed a couple of years ago, and what I found in her things was a book I had written when I was, like, seven or eight years old. Of course, I didn't even remember, and, and, you know, we put three whole punches together and tied it together with yarn. And and it was just basically, like, maybe five or six sentences about my mother. And that's when I realized, you know, I was, I guess you could say, writing books then, (laughs) if you want to call that a book, short story. So, um, yeah, it was definitely my teachers that first ignited my love of reading and writing, and I kind of just picked it up again and ran with it um, in college. Um, But I didn't put out my first book until um, 2011 when I put out someday.
0: Oh, okay, okay. That's, That's a good news. That's good news. My sister's a teacher. That's good to hear. Now, as a voiceover artist, before we get into your books, Husband Wanted, uh, in particular as a voiceover artist did you work on commercials what type of voiceover work did you do did you do like uh the um uh, animations What what type of voiceover work
1: i primarily did commercials um uh i did commercials for kroger mcdonald's regions um friends um, ben and Jerry's ice cream so I've I've done some some pretty well-known products but I primarily do commercials I've done a couple of of cartoons animation but not very many um, so that's primarily what I stick to those 30 and 60 second spots that you hear on the radio and tv so do you still do those a little bit. Um, I, I'm, for the last two years, I've been the voice of the Regions Riding Forward, a Black History Month commercial that they do. Um, oh so I still do a little bit, just not as much as, as I used to since I'm not in radio anymore. Um, you know, that was my first career, radio. I spent about 10 years in it, um, primary, um, maybe about three on the air. The rest of the time, I was behind the scenes. So when somebody calls me and they send me an audition, I'll still do it. Now, how did you, I wasn't going to ask you this, but how did you get your, your start in
0: radio to where you were doing voiceovers? Did you, did, some, did you was it through your college that you heard about an opening somewhere and you just jumped at it?
1: Well, um, no, not until I started in radio. You know, when you're in radio and they need voices for production, they pretty much pull anybody in the building that can read, read well. And when I say read well, I mean you're able to read on the air with feeling or what we call a conversational um, type of method. And so then I found out that there are people that were outside the radio station that were willing to pay me (laughs) to do that, and it pays pretty well. So at that point, I started seeking out agencies and doing auditions, and I got signed by an agency that used to be here in Memphis called Studio Center, and that's when I started doing the bigger gigs.
0: Wow. I'm impressed.
1: Look at you.
0: How did you land your gig at at On Point, and did you build a show from scratch?
1: Um, Yes, it was from scratch, and On Point was actually um, at one of the – I worked for a radio network. There were seven seven stations in the building, and our hip-hop R&B station – K-97, they were looking for something more community-oriented, and we also wanted to make it geared towards youth and young adults because it's very rare that you see a, a talk show that's geared towards that age demographic. So it was maybe I'd say our demographic was 13 and up because we had a lot of teenagers involved, Um, So, yeah, it started in 2000, and I stayed on until about 2003. I was a producer and co-host. I had a couple of male co-hosts throughout the years, Jeff Lee and world-famous Kylan. And and we started from scratch. And um, basically, we just talked about things that were going on in our community, and we allowed our young people to have a voice. You know, now with social media, anybody can have a voice. But back then, in 2000, that wasn't happening. Somebody had to give you an outlet to have a voice, and we were very proud to be able to do that because adults make a lot of decisions for young people without asking yes. young people's opinions. They think they know what's best for them, and then not to say that they don't. I mean, as, as you grow and you mature, what you think is important, you'll find out it wasn't very important at all, but it helps to, to ask their opinions especially when you're dealing with going on in the schools, which we did a lot, and you're no longer in school. I was surprised to find out a lot of the challenges that our young people were going through that I had no idea about because I had graduated. I started the show when I was 21, and I had graduated from high school years earlier.
0: Jay, you go ahead. That's all I can say. Oh, my goodness. It's always encouraging when I hear people with courage in their voice and confidence. I tell you, like I was saying at the start of this show, there's a lot going on in the country and in the world, and that's not going to change stuff. You look through history, you can't let anything stop you. We all have to do our good work and our good work to help turn things and change things that shouldn't be happening, but we also can't use it to stop. We also can't use it to stop. Now, when was your new book, Oh, and I wanted to say, and you obviously are somebody who just keeps moving forward. And another thing I wanted to piggyback on, before I ask you this next question, you said even though you were 21 when you started on Point, I was young to me. But you said you didn't know what people younger, like high school or pre-teens, were going through because you had well, been a teenager just in a with- couple.
1: Things that I did that weren't in existence. The year I graduated, they started, the year after I graduated from high school, they started putting metal detectors in the schools. I didn't deal with weapons in the schools. Um, uh, um, and then at that point, um, homosexuality, people were, were coming out of the closet more. So you had more, um, more young people talking about um, gay activity which when I was in school, pretty much if you were gay, you kept it to yourself. So it wasn't something that you had to deal with on a day and day-to-day day basis. Or maybe you had one or two people that were out of the closet. And, you know, you knew it. You didn't care. They were your friends or they weren't your friends. But then you started, and also, bullying wasn't a big issue or at least not cyberbullying cyberbullying what is it It wasn't in existence then like I used to tell people if you were being bullied it was over at 215 when you got out of school and maybe by the time you walked home once you got home it was done you were safe you were with people that loved you you were within your own four walls but with cyberbullying it never stops because it's on your phone it's on your social media sites you can't get away from it and, and that's why, and of course, that's the point when young people started killing themselves because they were being bullied because of the pressure of twenty four seven being attacked by somebody else. That's true. So these that's were all you... things that we had the upper, that we had to talk about, and, and let people have a voice about that adults, a lot of adults didn't even know their children were dealing with.
0: And you know, you bring up a good point. I want to get into Husband One at your new book. You bring up a good point. We, uh, the parents, and this may be every generation, parents, we do understand like the general things about growing up from a child to a teen to an adult, staying there looking for a job, peer pressure, trying to find your way in this crazy, crazy world. Those things as parents we understand, but I think each generation. The child deals with things that the parents didn't deal with, and the parents don't, they're clueless about it, of how they would feel if they were a kid dealing with that, not an adult. So that that's good, and that's uh, thank you for the work that you and your team did with On Point. Now, when was your new book, Husband Wanted, released, and what was that book release party like?
1: Um... <laughs> Husband Wanted came out in um, June, and I, you know, I didn't really have a book book release party. I started doing something different with Husband Wanted. I started doing what I call good woman gatherings. I just got bored with regular book signings. So I started turning Hmm. them into like a girl's night. Um, and, and like I said, I call it a Good Woman Gathering. I've held them in Little Rock, Memphis, and I'm actually in Nashville next week. And it, it's a girls' night hosted by myself. Um, we play games. We laugh. We eat. We talk about the book. But um, it's just a – we just turn it up a little bit and, and have some fun instead of, you know, talking to the, and talking to the audience, talking about the book – Asking questions We just throw some extra stuff in there So people just have a great night of fun And fellowship And who doesn't like to eat? <laughs> <laughs> and they also get to take a great book home with them
0: Okay that You're being in innovative And I, that just seems like it's a part of your makeup Who are the Purdue girls, Jay? <laughs>
1: The Purdue girls are three sisters and a cousin. They are the main characters in Husband Wanted. And just to give you a little background on the book, um, their grandmother, Grace Purdue, was very rich. But, you know, she's old school when she was from that era where women found a husband and got married. So she didn't understand why she had three beautiful, intelligent granddaughters that were all adults. And none of them had a husband. So she wrote in her will, she passed away, so she wrote in her will in order for them to get their inheritance, $15 each, they had to be married within nine months. But they couldn't just marry anybody. She put some stipulations in there and some controls, even from the grave. She was very controlling when they were alive as well, um, that it had to be true love. So you have these ladies who are going about it in three different ways, Trying to attract the man of their dreams within nine months so they can get their inheritance. And that's why it's called Husband Wanted. And what I wanted to do with this book was explore a lot of what I do is about love and relationships. I wanted to explore some of the different ways that people are trying to find love now. You know, it's, it's, people aren't just going to the grocery store or church and hoping that they bump into somebody, there's online dating, there are matchmakers. Um, People are still doing referrals from friends, you know, hookups, blind dates. Um, But I wanted to look at all of that from these sisters, well, sister and a cousin, um, their perspective. Because they were raised by their grandparents. Unfortunately, their parents died in a tragic boating accident. So, basically, that's Uh, who the Purdue girls are.
0: (laughs) Okay. okay. So, you, they're, they're... It starts then. Is this the first book? Is this a part of a series? And is this the first book in the series, if it is a part of a series?
1: You know, I'm still deciding. Now, there's a spinoff character from the Someday series in here, Um, Teresa, who was the um, functioning alcoholic police officer in Someday. Um, She is the aunt of of these three girls, and she has basically – been assigned as the person that makes sure they follow all of the rules in order to get inheritance so you know I'm I'm still deciding do I want to do I want to talk a little bit more about them um, in the future but uh, like I said it's definitely a spinoff of the original I'm a good woman series
0: now Grandmom is the one who says to get this inheritance of 15 million they have to get married but it has to be real love their parents, are their parents passed? You said their aunt; she's involved in their lives as well. Yes, um, they obviously. were raised
1: by their grandparents because their parents died in a boating accident when they were very young. Oh. Okay,
0: who do you think readers will will love the most and dislike the most in husband
1: and <laughs> woman? <laughs> um, I think people will probably. Love Regina the most. Regina is that um this very sweet, lovable, but sometimes a little naive character that we, we tend to want to latch on to and protect, and, and we want her to wisen up because she has been with the same man since college, um, which is like a, in total seven years, but he doesn't decide he wants to marry her, of course, until he finds out about this inheritance. So she she's dealing with you know she, and you know because um, actually she had broken up with him but of course he's trying to make his way back. Um, so she's dealing with do I marry this man that I genuinely truly love but he's been messing up all this time, or do I move on? Mm.
0: Can you introduce us to some of the the other uh, sisters, or the, their personalities? If you can just tell us what some of the other characters, major and minor characters in Husband Wanted, and how these people, how you've developed these characters so that they help to keep the reader interest and move the story forward.
1: Sure. Um, Leslie and Regina are the sisters, and Sheila is their older cousin. Um, But they were raised like siblings, so they they all act like sisters. And I just told you about Regina. Leslie is, is a free spirit. Um, but sometimes you think she doesn't have a conscience. Um, she she believes uh, that men are just toys, something to be played with. She doesn't think that you just need one. You can have as many as you want. She's She's very sexually liberated and kind of resentful that her grandmother is trying to make her pick one and stay tied down but she's also a party girl and she loves money so she's willing to do whatever she has to do to get this money so she feels it's as simple as picking one man off her all-star team as as she calls them and just marrying them because what man in the world wouldn't want her but she has to come to some harsh realities that, because of all the things that she's doing, maybe those men don't see her as marriage material
0: mm. okay and the other and sisters?
1: then there's sheila Sheila is very religious um she she loves the Lord, she loves church she she's the only one out of the group that has a child she has a um she has a son. And she's she's resentful because she believes her grandmother has just stepped outside of the will of God. She is is very in the belief of he that findeth a wife, not she that findeth the husband. So she does not being she does not appreciate being told that she has to go out and look for a man. Once again, The money, that money, <laughs> that money. money. Yes, yeah, money is a great motivator. <laughs> So, um what she does is she um she hires a matchmaker to try to help her find this particular person um because she she doesn't have time to date she she has a very good career in in finance, and so she's hoping that this person will match her up with the right person so that she can go ahead and provide an even better life for her and her son.
0: Okay, okay. So they're different. You, the the sisters—they have to be alike in some ways, though, because they when you're when you're raised in the same home, even if you're not blood relatives, you're gonna you get in the same programming. So there have to be ways that they're also different, but I mean similar, but then different. Can you hus, husband wanted? When, now, when was it launched? When was husband wanted launched? And what have readers been saying to you about the book so far?
1: It came out in June, and I've gotten some very good feedback about it. Um, You know, people, are, I have, I usually have a lot of twists and turns in my book, and I try to make sure that you can't see what's going to happen next. I always try to be very unpredictable. And from the feedback, I've, I've continued to do that with this book. Um, and I've also just looked at the different types of love or different ways and types of love. Of, let me rephrase that different ways and types of methods that people use to find love within this decade. Okay. So I'm very pleased okay. with how the book is going and what people have to say about it. And I'm, I'm just happy because I haven't written a novel in two years. So you kind of wonder oh. how people are going to receive you after you took kind of a break. You know, I put out um, Things Every Good Woman Should Know, Volume 1 and 2, and those are both books of short stories. So I really wanted to make sure that I dug my heels in and and made sure that people would enjoy this as much as they enjoyed my first three books in the trilogy.
0: You know, and that's something important. I usually take a couple of years before I come out with a new book, but I'm working on, on on a novel. It takes some writers a little longer, but in today's book world, and I, we want to talk about the process of creating a book and marketing later in the show. But in today's book world, I see writers putting out like two, three books a year. And it's almost like necessary just to keep yourself in the mind of readers because there are so many books out here. But before we go into the, the the background, the business part of the writing industry, can you share with us the genesis of the Someday Series? How did that book series get started?
1: I was venting. Um, I, um, those books are basically about Christian dating. And I was trying to do right. I was trying to live right. And what you find is there are people that aren't interested in you, if that's the the road that you've decided to take. I actually started the book in college. Um, and I probably wrote about 50, 60 pages and forgot about it, went on, started my career. But I got a new computer, and I was, I was um, transferring files, and I saw it. And about that time, several of my friends that I went to college with, actually, they were putting out books as well. And one in particular, although I met her after college, um, her name is Latrivia Welch, and she wrote her first book under the name Latrivia Nelson. um, She was doing interracial romance and decided to start a publishing company called River House. And I let her read my stuff, and she said, if you finish this, I'd be happy to publish it for you. So that is how Someday uh, really came to fruition. So I finished it, um, put out the first book, and and it was actually only supposed to be one book. But, you know, in self-publishing, the bigger your book is, the more expensive it is to print. So I was like, oh, no, I need to get these page numbers down. And I and I chopped it almost in half (laughs) and ended the story right there. So that led to book two, but then I realized with book two, no, this story isn't finished. There's more to this. Well um, book two is you know, someday, someday two, and forever and a day. So Forever and A Day rounded out the trilogy, but I am still getting asked, Am I going to write another one? Am I going to pick back up with these main characters, Michael and T, and, and their group of friends, which we call the girlfriends, um, and see what they're doing now. Um, I plan to. I, I can't tell people when, but I, I I really got great feedback from those books. But I think I just needed a break from those characters. You can. Book, okay. I know series are popular right now. They're very popular. Some people are, have yeah. 10 and 12 books in the series. Yeah. But I think I just mm-hmm. got burned out on on them, and and maybe they needed a break for me too. <laughs> oh,
0: okay, okay, okay. So I I, now, I, now. I
1: I plan to revisit that for people that want to know. I, I do. Just be patient with me. Okay.
0: Now, do the do, do, do the stories in the Someday book series? Do they take place in Memphis, and if not, where are those stories? Where are they happening in?
1: Oh, yeah, someday it takes place right here at home. Okay. Okay, because you started writing it when you were in college.
0: Now, are you one of those writers, Jay? Now, you said you took a two-year break after you came out with your first three novels. Are you a writer who can knock out a novel in, like, one to two months? And I'm talking a very... No, ma'am. Some writers just, they just put them out, like, boom, 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 boom. And if not, what is the writing process like for you? What is that process to take a story from inception? It's an ideal in your mind to full completion.
1: It normally takes me about six months um, to to write and publish a book as if I'm consistent with it. Um, because I do better if I take breaks from the book and I come back with what I call fresh eyes. Story only seems to get better when I do that. If I try to write a book straight through. It's not going to be my best work. I need to put it down, go away from it for like a month, do something else, and then come back to it. I mean, those writers who are putting out four or five books a year, I don't see how they do it, but hats off to them. But um, the most I've done is two a year, and the second book I wrote with a co-writer. So um, now um, <laughs> I'm trying to get, my goal was to get up to two a year, so I've done that. But um, for me to, be, to do my best work, I really have to take my time and do a lot of review,
0: um, okay. a lot That's of review
1: cool. and editing. And I don't like to rush through that at all because I, I really want to put something out that not only people will enjoy but that I can be proud of. I don't want to go back and read a book and say I could have done so much better.
0: Right. And then I also encourage writers um – um. To hire a professional editor I, Even
1: when
0: If you ever work on a project Even if it's not a book to our, For our off the shelf listeners Even if you're not a writer And you work on a project You can look over it again and again And again and again and again And swear you caught everything This happens in the business world all the time And companies get sued for E&Os Errors and omissions Because somebody keeps looking at something And they swear they've gotten it all and then you hit, flip it out to a client or someone else, and they spot two or three errors right off the bat. And you just keep telling people when they your manager calls you into the office, but I looked it over, but I looked it over. And, but you miss things. And that same thing happens uh, with writing. You can start to miss stuff. And so that's why a, mm-hmm. uh, an editor who's not emotionally tied to the story, they've, they've seen it new. And if you're at work, I encourage people to get somebody else to look over your work before you send it to a client because you might have oh, looked yeah. it over 10, 20 times and miss something, and that's what an editor can do and write off, and you go, how did I miss that? Um,
1: it, <laughs> that's it, what people... it helps. I mean, that's why you, you, you really do need a team. You not only need yes. an editor, you need people who will who, who people who will read your book for you and tell you where your holes are, um, if it flows correctly. I mean, you know there are two types of editors. There's your grammatical error editor and then there's your content editor. And a uh, lot right. of times that that you they're not the same person. Um and, and mm-hmm. sometimes you don't want to pay two editors and that's fine, but you still need one at least one. Uh, maybe two to three people, to read your book before you publish it and give you feedback Um, because they make your book so much better. Because when you're reading it, you're reading it the way you think you wrote it. And and you may say something and you think you explained it completely where anybody can understand, or sometimes it's just regional, um, regional vernacular that you're using and you don't even realize it. So, someone on the East Coast or the West Coast might read something I wrote and say, "What in the world does that mean
0: right right
1: and so, it, so yeah, you definitely need that team behind you to go over it again for you before you release it to the public and do you know what that's
0: I'm learning that as guess I get older and older that's what anything in life you don't you don't want to become so attached to something you need other people to tell you. This is where you you got some weaknesses and you need to work on this, and you gotta be able to accept that feedback. You have to, not that you let other people tell you what to do, but you gotta be to accept that feedback. Is Forever and a Day, Jay, is that the final book in the series? I know you said you might revisit it later, but for now you're stepping away from it. Is that the final book? And can you give our readers um, an overview of Forever and a Day?
1: Um. For now, um, Forever in a Day is the final book in the Someday series. But um, I, I, let me, well, I, I, if I give you an overdo, overview of Forever in a Day, it'll kind of spoil it for the other one. So while I just tell you, you know, about the whole series. Um, the Someday series is about a woman named T who is going through what I call the Someday phase. Um, she has a house. She has a car. She has a dream job. But what's missing is someone to share it with. And she knows he's coming someday. Um, the original title of the book was Someday My Prince Will Come. And then I realized that is way too long and too sappy. <laughs> <laughs> so I just shortened it to someday. And 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 so she meets a retired NFL player by the name of Michael Stokes. And Michael is um, wonderful. Um, and both my main characters are celibate they they vow not to have sex again until they're married, so the book also deals with that challenge um but you have but the book is written, so it's something for everyone because you have teased girlfriends who have not taken that walk um some of them are are not sexually active, but they're not celibate some you know there's who there's tiffany Tate who who I refer to as the Terrific Tiffany Tate, who has been dating a married man for 10 years and has had his child. Oh. Okay. Um, you have the twins, and Lenora and Lanice where one is married, but unhappily married. She gained quite a bit of weight after giving birth to her own set of twins and a third child, and her husband no longer finds her attractive. But then uh, on the flip side, she still has her, her skinny twin sister, who, who looks just like her? Who has no kids? Who hates all men? She thinks all men are men are dogs, and they should be walked around on leashes. I mean, she's a man hater. <laughs> she's been hurt horrifically, and she she just doesn't see a a purpose for men in this world. <laughs> so you and then of course I, I introduced Teresa a little bit earlier. Teresa is the oldest person out of the group. Great heart, gives good advice. She's a police officer, but she's also a functioning alcoholic. Um, as she mm-hmm. says, she's seen the worst of the worst, and sometimes she needs more than a, the than a joy of Jesus to get through it. Mm. Wow.
0: <laughs> so what, so what you're type... dealing. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you said, so you're dealing.
1: I was about to say, so say, so something. you're dealing with all of these different personalities and how they see relationships and sex. But um the thing with Michael is Michael has a stalker. Michael has a relentless stalker who truly believes that he should be with her. So he is not happy that he is dating. she is not happy that he is dating someone. So the story takes an interesting twist where they're struggling to stay alive in order to stay together because this woman just won't quit.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, now I'm going to ask you for now, for, for Forever in a Day, which right now is the last book in the Sunday series, do you purposely leave any ends open, leaving readers guessing at the end of Forever in a
1: Day? I think I closed them all, but people want to know where they are now. Um, when, when When people ask me about the book, they feel like I think I tied up all the loose ends, but when, but when you've been with characters so long, you're wondering what else is going on. Because by yeah. the end of the book, um, T is pregnant. She and Michael got married, and they're in a whole different phase in their relationship. So how are they dealing with marriage and family now? That's what people want to know. So, um, so when I come back, because I will, I just can't tell you when. Those are the things that that I'll let people know. Uh, where they are in this relationship and if they're doing okay after they did all that fighting to stay together.
0: Wow, wow. Based on your personal experience, Jay, what are some of the pros and cons to writing a book series? When, Like you said, they're very popular right now because it's a way to keep readers, you don't have to go out and get new readers. It's a way to keep readers because they keep wanting to know what's going to happen in the story, and you hopefully get some more with each each new book in the series. But what are some of the pros and cons to writing a book series based on your personal experience?
1: Pros is that your readers have the opportunity to really get to know them and fall in love with the characters. That is definitely a pro. I mean, I've had people write me and say that I am T. You must have been looking into my life. Um, they're wow. like family to me. I miss them. When are you going to write something else? Um, cons is you. what happens next. You're constantly having to come up with something new and exciting for them to say and do so that your readers stay engaged. And I'm one of those people, I don't ever want to get too over the top. I think books should have some amount of realism to them and it, and if you look at your if you look at some of your favorite shows um each season they tend to get more and more dramatic and over the top to where sometimes it's just so unrealistic you're like really yeah yes yeah. yep <laughs> i mean i've stopped you know watching series because of that it, it was it, it became yeah. just too much for me and and i the- i try not to do that with books and characters and then you also don't want to get redundant and repetitive and the same thing keep happening over and over again either.
0: You know what I you make a good point when you said even for writing for television you watch a television series, one of my favorites is Sam and the Sun, but when you look at the older you you take a great TV series, you look at the last years of almost any great TV series, and you can see where it just the the writers were pushing they were really pushing and you can see that and I can see as a book author that same challenge and we've had other authors on off the shelf who've written series books. When you're the first one to say that, that is a challenge. Most of the authors who've written series books who've come on off the shelf, they've gotten to a point where they've known it's time to step away from this, the books. It's time to go in a different way. I, the readers still want to know more, but they're like, i got to stop and go on to a, to a different book. But that was an interesting point that you raised. What was it like, shifting gears a little bit, Jay, what was it like writing for the Tom Joyner Morning Show?
1: Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I interned actually in Dallas for about um, a month. Um, I, I, I was determined to get there, and the internship didn't pay. Um, I, I, I bought my uncle's uh, Bronco too, because <laughs> my little car, no way it would have made it to Dallas. Um, and drove it down there and stayed for a month But I got along really well with the head writer Mary Flowers Boyce And she gave me the opportunity to write some jokes for the show And they have a weekend segment called Right Back At You Where they try, where they pretty much recap some of the things that went on um, During the week And Tom does um, humorous intros and outros to the different segments So that's the part that I wrote for I wrote for him for about three years um, wow. And I enjoyed it. It was a great opportunity, great experience. Um, I was happy that they decided to um, to keep, well, maybe it was more like two, two or three years. I was happy that they decided to keep me on um, even after I left after that month. And, and, you know, this was before email, so I would fax in my jokes every week. <laughs>
0: Well, before
1: prevalent email, take it back. I think email came out when I was in college, but before it got just really, really popular, everybody in the building had email. You know, people were still primarily using fax machines. So I would fax in my jokes every week, and then I'd get to hear them when they played the show on Saturday. Heard my name in the credits. So it was a great experience. Get out of here. So,
0: are you, do you consider yourself a comedy writer? Had you written comedy or jokes before? Or was that just something as an intern you started doing for the very first time when you when you interned with the Tom Joyner Morning Show?
1: Oh no, that was something I started doing for the first time. I think I've always had a pretty pretty decent sense of humor, and I've always been sarcastic. I tell people it's part of my charm. Um, so <laughs> to have the opportunity to use that on a nationally syndicated radio show. Um, it, it was a humbling experience.
0: Okay, now what advice would you give to someone looking to land similar jobs when we think about young folks and parents and grandparents and other adults who want to, want to help guide and encourage youth down a positive, a, a good path uh, that just leads to greater and greater and greater things? What, what advice would you give somebody? Do you have to be in college to land an opportunity like that and do an internship? Uh, and, and in internships I've heard so many people say, they are one of the best ways to get your foot in the door, even if the pay isn't good. And you're not going to make the same amount of money, generally, as an intern as if you're a regular employee. And sometimes you don't get paid at all, but it's that foot in the door, that experience. You make those connections. You stay connected with people, and, and it just it can lead to greater and greater things. But, Dasha, what advice would you give somebody who's looking to land a role similar to you did, What's like a Tom Joyner Morning Show, Steve Harvey, or, or or any other outlet that's major that they're looking to get into.
1: Um, use your connections. That's the first thing. And even if you don't have any connections, create some because the way I got that internship is his. I was already interning locally at a radio station, and his show aired on one of them. Um, and I just, I just called. And ask them, you know, would they be willing to let me do an internship? And mind you, radio internships didn't pay, so I was working locally for free, and then I went to a whole different state and worked for free. And I didn't let that deter me. My, parents, my mother didn't have a lot of money, um, so I saved for it. I was, I, that's one of the reasons I could only stay a month, because by the end of the month, my money had ran out. um. But don't let that deter you because there's not either not any pay or a whole lot of pay. And then get in there and work hard. Work like you're getting paid because people remember you. Um, that led to some other opportunities later after Tom launched his Fantastic Voyage. I got the opportunity to go and volunteer for that. Once again, I'm volunteering, but I am getting a free flight. I'm getting a free cruise. I'm working with celebrities, which led to some other connections later on. And, and it's just an experience that I couldn't have paid for. Wow. And to this day, I'm still very close to um, to Mary, his head writer. And the crazy thing is, is one of the young ladies that was on my talk show, um, I had a group of teens that I worked with called the Teen Panel, and I would meet with them once a month to talk about things going on in their lives. She's in Dallas. Working for Tom and his sons in a very integral role. So when she got ready to do her, well, actually she got ready to apply for the job. She asked because she put me down as a reference, and I'm like, of course, go for it.
0: Okay, and and that's you just said it. That's one of the key things when to get what it is you want. You have to go for it. You have to go for it. You might a lot of times you look back on your life and you might say, I wanted. I wanted more volume from what I did. Like if you write novels, you might say I wanted to sell millions of copies instead of thousands of copies, but you can look back and and know you did what you wanted to do, even if you don't get the volume you want, if you just go for it. Now, when and why, Jay, did you start, as we come down to the last eight minutes of today's show, when and why did you start your I'm a Good Woman blog?
1: I started I'm a good woman because I was, um, and still am in some ways, concerned with the decline of morals in America, but I'm more so when it comes to our women, because if you look at any sociological study, women are the backbone of society. When your women are strong, when your women are educated, When your women are able to um, support themselves, and not to say that this is without the help of a man, but we, I mean, we still need to be able to care for ourselves, your society is better. Women set the tone for so much, and I don't think sometimes we realize the power that we wield, but we've letting entertainment tell us things that aren't necessarily the right decisions or positive decisions in our lives um things um like sleeping with a bunch of people um running after money um and fame i mean if you look at some of these reality shows i'm just like my goodness what will you not do to be famous
0: yes yeah
1: and and, yeah, and i wanted to counteract those negative messages with something positive um not only just with my blog but also with my books. So I don't just try to educate I mean, I don't just try to entertain you. I try to get you to think. I can't say that I I educate you, but what I ask women to do is take the time to think before you make a decision because that one decision could change the entire course of your life. Whether or not you sleep with one person (laughs) could change everything that happens from then on or not even oh, and not even in just matters of sex, um perhaps committing a crime, should you do something illegal? should you try to extort money out of someone or steal money or tell a lie? Uh, we don't realize sometimes how that can impact our future, so that's what I want women to do. If you don't take away anything else from my book, take away that I need to think about the decisions that I'm making before I make them this if it feels good do it mentality can be so detrimental to our lives
0: No, you know what and that's for women and men that that is for everybody you listen to interviews with people i see people when people do wrong and they get caught first thing we know we know there is something good in us cuz we created by good we know when we do wrong that's why people don't they wait till it gets dark to do wrong they look over their shoulder we want to hide all the evidence. Then we start lying because deep down we know we did wrong. We know we did it, mm-hmm. and there's no way to run from. There's no way to run from that. But then you, you, we will either. You said think before you act. People will either tell you, "I was so caught up in emotion, I just did it," and now if when they calm down, they wouldn't do it again. So just think, 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 think before you act. It could save you years of incarceration or just regret, tore up relationships, tore up families. Yeah, you know, think think before you act when you get real emotional, it's like, no, no, no. Let me go let me go take a walk or go somewhere and be by myself till I calm down. Now I love your I'm a good woman blog, Jay. The story on Doctor Joyce Nutson was very inspiring. Um oh, I wanted to ask you. you always have and in, in what ways have you been able to connect the blog with your books to help grow your book audience? Um,
1: you know, I, I, you know, I have ads on there for my books, and that's probably the main way, you know, and stuff. And things that when I come out with a new book, I'll put a little blurb on there and synopsis, but, um, the blog was probably available before the uh, well. It was not probably the blog was available before the books, and before that, it was novelty oh, items like t-shirts and mugs. So the books were actually the last phase of it all. Because um, I've had the blog since ooh, I can't even tell you. <laughs> it's very, very interesting. Long so the, oh, the
0: blog came before the books. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have any plans? We 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 we've got three minutes. Do you have any plans to offer any counseling or coaching services to women in the future?
1: No. Somebody asked me, was I gonna be, was I gonna be a, a life coach or a trainer? I'm still trying to get my own life together.
0: You know what? So, <laughs> you you don't know what so, the future whatever you, you have have get, a heart.
1: Right now, whatever you get, you get from my books and my speaking engagements, because I do those. I'm actually doing those quite regularly now. But to sit down and try to to coach someone and talk to them on a regular basis, I personally don't think I'm ready for that. I have a lot more growing and learning to do myself before I'm ready for that. Okay. Now, where can our
0: off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of your books?
1: Um, you can get a copy of my books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and you can also find links to all of that on my website, which is J Henderson Author, and J is J A E Henderson A T N D E R S O N Author dot com.
0: Okay, and then the blog is I'm a Good Woman for our off the shelf listeners. Are they in print and ebook, or are your books only in ebook?
1: Um, all of them, except for one, are in print and ebook. And that one is the Where Do We Go From Here book that I wrote for the male author from Memphis named Mario King. Okay. If you're on any social
0: networks, Jay, please tell us uh, what networks you're on and how we can find you online.
1: I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find me at Jay Henderson Author 2 on Facebook, Instagram, Jay Henderson Author. And um, on Twitter is J underscore
0: Henderson. Okay, we have been honored, you guys, to be here with Jay Henderson. She she is a she is a go getter. She has a, a bachelor's in communications and a master's in English from the University of Memphis. That's our that's her home city, and she's proud to be from there. She's a former radio show host. Uh, she worked with On Point, a show that she started from scratch with a team of other uh, go-getters. She also has written for the Tom Joyner Morning Show. She's a public relations specialist and a college professor. She does do uh, public speaking uh, engagements. She's the author of Husband Wanted. That's her new book. Uh, Jay is also the author of the Sunday series and Things Every Good Woman Should Know. She's online at jayhendersonauthor.com. And her blog is I'm a and I did really, really enjoy her blog. I encourage you to visit her at her website again J J A E A E N D E R S O N A U T H O R J Henderson, author.com, and her blog, I'm a spelled it just the way it sounds I M A G O O D W O M A N.com. So we want to thank J Henderson. For being here with us, and I want to thank you, all of our off-the-shelf listeners. Please come back next Saturday. We bring you another just awesome guest. We are so blessed here on off-the-shelf. They share free advice, free tips about writing and business and marketing that you you would have to pay for many other places. So we thank them for what they share here, not only about their stories or their business products, but also tips that. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, we, we really enjoyed you, Jay. Uh, so to all our listeners, I encourage you, remember you're awesome, you're amazing, you're incredible. Go create a fabulous day for yourself and remember, finish this year strong. don't, don't finish it with a bag full of excuses. Finish this year strong. See you next Saturday, remember, tell everybody, tune in to off the shelf 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday mornings. Bye for now. Jay, I'll shoot you an email.
1: Thank you.